Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. This is a reading of God's Word. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at the tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Amen. Church, would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, we turn to you this morning. God, we turn to you in this season. God, we want to receive from you what you want to speak to us, God. God, I pray that we lay wide open our hearts, God. God, we bear our souls before you, God. God, we pray that you may do a wondrous work in our lives, God. May today be the day where we commit and recommit our hearts unto you. God, we desire to have pure devotion, God. God, we desire to live life that is filled with your Holy Spirit, God. We desire to see our lives being transformed by your wonderful grace and your power of your love, Lord. So God, give us years to hear and hearts to receive all that you're ready to impart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've heard that in Italy, they have an interesting way of celebrating the new year. On New Year's Eve, as the clock is ready to strike, the traffic is clear, there are no pedestrians in the streets, even the policemen take cover, and they're nowhere to be found. Then at the strike of midnight, the windows of every house in Italy is flung wide open, and the sound of laughter and shouts fill the streets and fill all of the areas, and music is blasted loud, fireworks fill the skies, and every member of every family in Italy throws out their old dishes, their detested ornaments, hated furniture, and a whole catalog of any personal belonging that reminds them of any misfortune of the prior year, anything that reminds them or anything that connects them back to the misfortunes of the past year. And they do so because they're so driven and they so desire to drive out and wipe away their minds with anything that is negative. And it's their way of ensuring that a home is clean and orderly and fully prepared for all the wonderful promises and the new things of the brand new year. New opportunities, better fortune, hopefully, and getting the house ready to be better suited for nurture and growth growth in the year to come. What do you think? Is that something that you might be interested in doing too? You may do it, you may not do it. For me, I don't think I would. Uh, Mainly because I think out of the fear that maybe by year two or three, I may run out of things to throw out. I may have nothing left in my house. Or I may be tempted 
to throw some people that I live with in my own home. I'm just kidding, of course. But you get the point, though, right? And we can't argue with the premise there. Keep a clean house or keep your house very clean. Get rid of the things. Get rid of everything and anything that doesn't or shouldn't belong there. Anything that brings you bad jujus or negative energy, negative vibes, anything that does not belong in your house, we want to make sure we throw them out. You get the story, right? Well, we find in today's text that Jesus does something very similar. He cleans house. He's cleaning the temple. Or as Bible describes it, Jesus cleanses the temple. Has a nuance of, he's not just cleaning. Jesus is purifying the temple. Of course, of course, Jesus is not doing this for good luck. He's not doing this for just simply for better fortune, but he does it to make sure that the house of God is not corrupted by anything. And he goes out of his way to make sure that everyone that is gathered in the temple of God understands that the temple of God must be holy and it's reserved only for worship of our God. And Jesus here is driving out any ill intent, any false notion of what the house of God can be or should be, or anyone that is not prioritizing worship. Instead, they're focused on gaining their own, uh, making their own personal gains. Anything that confounds the image of the house of God, the place of worship, Jesus is seen here making a very strong point. And unusually, we find Jesus very heated, very emotional. If we may say, he's quite angry about the situation, and we see a direct expression of Jesus' anger fully displayed here. I want to share a painting by an artist named Jean Jouvenet, titled, Jesus Cleanses the Temple. This was painted somewhere in the 18th century, and it portrays accurately the unusual portrait of Jesus just going berserk in the temple courts here. And the story of Jesus' cleansing of the temple requires some background information for us to fully understand exactly what is going on here. First piece of information we have here, the Passover was coming up. The Passover was a big Jewish holiday, as you may know already. It was a holiday commemorating the end of their journey as slaves, meaning more than four centuries of the entire nation being enslaved to the great and powerful nation of Egypt. God decides to deliver them from slavery, and God marks the end of their day or end of their lives living as slaves. And the last meal that Israel would have, it was called this great Passover meal. As the last and tenth, perhaps the most deadliest plague came over, and it was to ensure that this great plague passed over every family and household of the nation of Israel. So you understand this holiday was a great, great holiday. So you would anticipate a lot of Jews, even for those that are living outside of the city of Jerusalem, they were congregating to Jerusalem 
so that they could worship. Even the Jews that lived outside the, the nation of Israel, all of the, the uh, Jew diaspora were coming back and making a return to celebrate this big holiday. And people are more and more flooding into the temple courts so that they can express their hearts of worship unto God. And perhaps Jesus was doing the same thing. He's in Jerusalem. You know that he's not necessarily from, originally from Jerusalem, but he's now in Jerusalem. He's serving the temple, perhaps looking for a worship or place to pray, perhaps reflecting upon his own spiritual journey. And what does Jesus find there? People were selling stuff. There were cattle, there were different animals, sheep, oxen, there were doves, there were money changers. You see monies, uh, you see money and, and coins exchanging hands. And the court where they were selling sacrificial animals and changing money was the outer court of the temple. And, and, and it wasn't unusual, per se, to people to show up to the temple with oxen with sacrifices, because that's their word, that was their expression of worship unto God. Instead, all of these arrangements of exchanging hands of animals served, reserved for sacrifice purposes, all of that was done away from the temple. All of the transactions should have taken outside the temple courts. But instead, we see people uh, uh, selling animals Money changers were there because why? Um, the temple tax was the Tyrian uh, uh, shekel. It was paid in uh, purest silver. It was the coins that the Roman government used. And, and for the Jews, and for the hardcore Jews, very devout Jews, even to see foreign currency in the temple courts, that was a great, great offense to them. That was considered a huge defilement. And some uh, theologians also argue that it was the same currency that Judas Iscariot would receive, 30 pieces of silver in what? For the purpose of what? Betraying, betray, uh, betraying his rabbi, our Lord Jesus. So you see that this was a great, great offense for all of the Jews. And here we find that Jesus is greatly, greatly upset. And he sees a people defiling of the temple. People have turned this holy, a place of worship, a place of gathering, a place that was dedicated to reserve and to declare God's presence resided in. People have turned it into a marketplace, misinterpreting, abusing its true intent. And what Jesus does here when he overturns the tables and it's kind of a prophetic sign actually what, what was to come. And Jesus in fact in Mark chapter 13 prophesies that the temple of, of God will be what? Destroyed. It will be uh, in uproar. Exactly 40 years later, around 70 AD or so, the temple in Jerusalem indeed does get destroyed. Again, I, I, I don't want us to be detracted from the main point here. Jesus' reaction seems quite striking here. He's not violent. If he was to get violent, we will see Jesus getting actually a whip. But he doesn't do that. He puts together a scourge, of course. So he puts something together and making it into a whip. 
and he drives them all out. We don't see no mentioning of Jesus hitting somebody. Jesus is not beating anybody. He could have. Remember, Jesus is not some frail guy. He was a carpenter. He worked his entire life, even into adulthood, he worked with his hands. I mean, he was strong. I, I believe so. He was not some frail guy. So he shows up full of anger, fully emotional. He makes a very strong point. And his message was very clear. And he was absolutely certain that he was going to send that message to everybody. Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. A place of worship is now turning into for personal gain. This is the house of God. This is my Father's house. The Spirit of God, the presence of God dwells in here. If you read the same account in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, this is called a house of prayer. He gets really upset. And you have turned the house of God. You have turned the house of prayer. You have turned the very meaning place of God with us. Turned it into a business platform. You're so interested in about your personal gain. You have thrown away. You have wasted away God's ordained place for us. All that for your pleasure, for your personal gain. And this is not what you do. This place is meant for worship. It's where we gather to adore God, express our heartfelt worship unto God. And Jesus was so passionate, wasn't he? Jesus was passionate. He was determined to keep God's dwelling place pure and holy. He didn't want anyone to mistaken, not even for a second, that that was intended for where the Spirit of God would come. God himself would dwell and commune with his people. Look at verse 17 in our text today. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. That word zeal can be interpreted as passion, devotion, love, honor. It says it was a zeal of Jesus. It was a zeal, it was a passion, it was a devotion and the love and the honor of our God that caused this scene in the temple courts. In the view of Jesus, the temple needed to be cleaned out. In Jesus' perspective, the temple needed cleansing. It needed to be purified. Understand that Jesus is not just talking about, the scripture is not just talking about tidying things up. We're not just talking about reorganizing and restructuring. We're talking about something beyond just a physical organization. We're just talking, we're talking beyond about physical cleansing. We're talking about deep, deep spiritual cleansing. The purging that comes through the power and the spirit of God. Jesus was passionate about purifying the dwelling place of our God.
we ask ourselves a more pertinent question today then. And you may be asking, what does this have to do with me? What does Jesus getting upset in the temple courts what does Jesus driving out all the merchants and money changers, what does that have to do? What does Jesus overturning the tables, what does that have to do with me? We're talking about the temple of God. Understand the notion of the temple again. Let, let, let me describe for you the history and the intent of the temple. If you, read to the, if you read the book of Exodus, God designates a place to meet with his people. And out of the love that he had for his people, and probably more importantly, he was so committed to assure his people that God was with them. So he designates a place. He tells them, I am going to meet with you. And in that tent, have these things. It was called a tent of meeting. It was called a tabernacle. And that was a God's, it was known to all of Israel that the Spirit of God dwelt in the tent of meeting. Years later, years later, that tent of meeting now becomes what? God installs this vision of building this temple, right? Temple, it's actually now a physical building. Now David receives that promise. He initiates who he desires now, King Solomon carries that ordinance, carries that call, and he completes this beautiful temple of God. And this becomes the symbol of God's promise. It becomes a symbol of God's protection. It becomes the greatest embodiment for all of Israel that this signified that we are God's people. We belong to God, and the Spirit of God dwells in this temple. Now, now, what does the New Testament tell us about that? Subsequent to the life and the ministry of Jesus, what happens? The temple gets destroyed, right? What, what happens? What, what is the beautiful promise of Jesus' salvation? What, what happens? What does Jesus promise? Jesus says no longer. He, he, he promises that he dwells in us. He foreshadows that Jesus is always with us. And even upon ascension, he promises the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit is, gonna be, is going to be with us. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Wow. Let me read that again. It says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You. Now, the great, I, I share with you, the greatest embodiment or the symbol of God being with the nation of Israel, he says now that is no longer confined to a physical building. He says now we as followers, as we as children of God through Jesus Christ, now we are the temple, meaning we are the dwelling place of God, meaning the Spirit of God lives and moves and works in us. 
God has chosen us. He says, I'm going to stay. I'm going to remain in you. He says, our bodies become not a dwelling place of God. If we are God's dwelling place, if we are now called temple of God, will Jesus ever desire to do the same to us as he did to the temple in John chapter 2? Think about that. What's the difference? When I think about it, why wouldn't he do the same thing? Why wouldn't he be motivated to cleanse? Why wouldn't he be motivated and be passionate about, remember the word zeal, why wouldn't he be zealous about cleaning out, cleansing our hearts? Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, convey these words. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So powerful. Let me read for you again. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The Bible, friends, Bible is clear that our bodies, our hearts, all of our parts, all of our bodies, all of all the things that make us. The scriptures tell us that the Spirit of God dwells in us. We are God's dwelling place. We are God's designated meeting place with us meaning our hearts, our lives, our minds, our bodies. You see, we are made. We are supposed to honor God. We are supposed to keep our lives pure and clean. We are supposed to be sanctified so the Spirit of God may freely and powerfully live in and through us, meaning you and I are called to get rid of the things that defile our bodies, we are meant to get rid of the things that corrupt our minds, you hear? Get rid of the things and activities, the habits that derail us from the path of pursuing God wholeheartedly, our pursuit of righteousness. We're, rid of, we're supposed to get rid of all the hindrances. If Jesus literally came to visit us, if Jesus were to sift through the contents of our hearts and our minds, what would he do? What would he do? What would you want him to do? 
Wouldn't you actually want him to go through every single thing and making sure that there isn't anything that is corrupt, is, that, that there isn't anything that would possibly defile my heart? Wouldn't you want God to do that for you? Wouldn't you want your life to be so friendly so presentable, so ready for the Spirit of God to come and joyfully and permanently and actively, presently dwell in you? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your mind, the Spirit of God desires to dwell in. Every aspect of your life, God passionately desires to be fully present through and through in your life. Amen? Three weeks ago, we took a family trip. Uh, all of our family members, we gathered together. We, we spent a week in Arizona at our family's house. And all of us remember that upon leaving, um, someone had dropped off a bag of potatoes for us. Okay? But when we came back from our week-long trip, when we came back, we couldn't find the bag of potatoes. We didn't think much of it, so we thought we were probably mindful that we were going away. So I thought, everyone thought that some of us, even though that we didn't remember, none, none of us remember throwing it out actually, but we thought someone who was mindful probably threw it out knowing that we were gonna be going away. Well, it was nowhere to be found. Big deal. Life went on, we lived. I don't know if we ate potatoes or we didn't eat potatoes during that time, but we didn't really care. Until about a week ago, until about a week ago, my mother-in-law kept saying, something smells funny in the garage. Something smells really funny. I'm like, whatever, we dismissed it. Mom, you're probably old, whatever. And she kept asking about the potatoes. I'm like, do you get over the potatoes? We lost them. We'll go out and go to the market and get some more. And she kept saying that we were missing potatoes. It's really strange. And she said something funny, something, uh, 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 something smelled funny in the garage. So on one day, this past Thursday, she was like raving about how stinky it was in the garage. So I actually went into the garage. I started sniffing around the garage and, and making sure if I smelled the same thing. And I was going through different corners, and lo and behold, I, I came across this big shelf that, 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 that fills uh, the, the one side, our entire wall. And there I, f I found uh, a bag of potatoes that had been missing for the past three weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh, and all the rotten potatoes was exuding this stinky smell. Oh my goodness. And I, I look at it, and we had a, a crate, a box full of dishes, brand new dishes and plates, and bowls and, and all of that, and the, the potatoes was placed in the same crate. 
And I also noticed something different. I also saw, witnessed animal droppings, rat poo or mouse poo. So I immediately picked it up. I take it out. And I'm like grossed out. And it's like, it's reeking. It's smelly as heck. I take the entire crate of plates and bowls outside the yard. And I, I, I got my uh, 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 soap detergent, uh, deter- uh, uh, what is it, dish, deter- uh, dish soap. I got my wipe and I got my gloves on. I got my mat. I'm like cleaning, right? And all of a sudden, my mother-in-law who was cleaning with me shrieks and runs away and skips over, almost falls over over the front lawn. I was like, what happened? Dude, I'm like, good, just stop being so dramatic. We're cleaning them already, okay? We're going to clean and we'll be okay. And in that crate of plates, we find this little guy. Can you see this, guys? Do you see this, friends? We find our friend Jerry, a dead mouse. Now, who <laughs> disgusting, right? Who knows Who knows how long that mouse had been dead? We know how long the bag of potatoes were there for. But who knows? This guy was probably rummaging through the different places and comes across potatoes and eats it. I don't know if he ate too much or if he was squished, whatever. But who cares? So again, what do I do? I go, I'm like grossed out. I'm like near vomiting, right? I go out, extra sets of gloves, bags and I grab this dead mouse and I just put in the bag and throw in the trash can and I continued on washing the rest of the dishes and I made sure that every single dish every single crevice was fully cleaned this is what happens guys now for that moment If I had just washed the dishes, would that have been enough? If I had just thrown out the bag of potatoes, what if I had washed the dishes and left the bag of potatoes, left the dead mouse in the same crate? What would have happened? See, for me, I needed to remove, I needed to not only clean the plates and the bowls, I needed to make sure that I need to get rid of the rotten potatoes and the dead mouse. It was imperative for me to fully attend to the situation. I needed to get rid of the source of the stink. You hear me? You see, there are things in our own lives that cause such stink. Things that elicit just foul smell. And it just reeks our lives. That stink just carries out in and through our lives. Things that defile our hearts. Things that defile God's dwelling place. Their sins, their habits, their evil thoughts, their evil intentions that continue to dwell in our hearts and they continue to portray this incredible stink. And oftentimes, you know what we do? All we are interested in doing is masking, simply masking that smell. We put on perfume, we put on cologne, we febreze everything in our lives. We put on new clothes. We put on new sheets. We buy a new house. 
We move into new house. We hang out with new friends, hoping and thinking maybe that will get rid of the stink. In fact, we do not address the source of the stink. You see, if you want to get rid of the stink, you have to get rid of the source of the stink. You cannot just mask it. You cannot just hide it for a brief moment. You can't do anything. Allow, we have to allow Jesus to show up. He shows up with gloves on. He shows up correctly identifying the things that need cleansing. He needs to come up and boldly pick up the things and pluck the things out of our defiled hearts. It says, now you're done. Now you're clean. Now you have become purified. Now you have been prepared. Now you have been beautified. Now you are ready for me and my spirit to fully dwell in you. For me to fully live through you. Now you can be a worthy temple, worthy dwelling place for me. And friends, today... As we close this service, I encourage you to invite Jesus into your heart. Invite Jesus into your heart. We read in John chapter chapter 2, today's passage, that Jesus cleansed the temple. Yes, he was upset. Yes, he was angry, and he did express fully his anger. But understand that this incident did not come out because of the hatred and annoyance for the people. All of this anger was started and came out because out of the love and the holy devotion that he had for God's presence, that he had for the dwelling place in God's spirit. In the same way, you and I should long for that. We want, no, we need Jesus to come and cleanse our hearts. We should be praying that, God, you must come. God, purify my heart. God, cleanse my life, Lord. Make it more presentable, God. Make it even more ready for you, God. God, help me. God, please cut away from unhealthy habits, Lord. And God, help me to be healed from toxic relationships, Lord. God, we need to be set free from the constant anger and constant rage. This ongoing dissatisfaction, no matter what happens, God, this discontentment is eating me up, Lord. And God, we need deliverance from constant bitterness fill our hearts. You see, you and I need Jesus to come today and cleanse our hearts. And friends, would you just allow him to come and do just that? Would you invite him? That's all you have to do. So I believe that Jesus is a gentleman. He never does something that we do not consent for him to do. Notice what it says in the book of Revelation. It says, I stand at the door and knock. He does not barge in. He does not kick open the door. He sure can. And sometimes we wish that he would because we're so frail in our faith. But God waits at the door. He simply knocks. And I pray that you may have the faith and the courage to invite him into your heart.
Invite him back into your life and allow him to purify you, mold you, and prepare you to be a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary for the Spirit of God to dwell in so that you may fully commune with him, that you may drink from the sweet juice of the fellowship with our Holy Spirit, with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, let's pray together. God, today we lay bare our hearts. We hide nothing from you. God, while the incident at the temple, Lord, may have seen, may have been intimidating, may not deter us from you. But God, that should encourage us to draw even closer to you, knowing that you are capable of cleansing our hearts. Remove any gunk. Remove any guilt and shame. Remove unbelief. God, remove anything that is toxic, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, lust. God, remove all of it, Lord. And God, today we desire to be your pure bride. Today we desire to be your sanctuary. Holy Spirit, come. Wherever they may be, be fully present in them right now. Yes, Lord. Come on. Pray that prayer for yourself. Friends, pray. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart, God. Cleanse it, purify it. I need you. Pray that prayer. Tell him how much you need him. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Yes, Lord. Come, Lord. God, in the past, we have conceded our hearts to the things of the world. God, we have found pleasure in greater way outside of you. We have sought and found greater security in what the world has to offer than what you are providing for us. Would you forgive us? God, come into our hearts. Strengthen our hearts, Lord. Be present even in our own weaknesses, God. Yes. God, we thank you, Lord. Continue to work in us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.